0: Following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. Good morning. Stacy and Jamie are on vacation this week, so it's good that they get some rest. Uh, Stacy is, as most of you know, a gift to our church, and if you didn't know that, you will uh, by the end of our time together this morning. I'd like to, to think of it like this, if you were to pull anything out of what I'm about to say that is God's glory and his grace on you, and if you don't, the perspective should be as if your parents coming to watch a four-year-old play Little League, um, isn't he cute? That's, that's <laughs> the expectation, and that's what we're talking about here. My parents are here to testify, they have always been that for me, and so they will today. Uh, no skill, but uh, boy, he looks good up there. And I think I've mentioned that before, I'm, I'm not like Stacy in skill, but I am easier on the eyes. <laughs> you know, after I said that last time, he came back and that's the only comment he had about what I had to say that day was that comment, and he acknowledged it was true. <laughs> uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, we'll be spending our time there today, be camping out there a little bit. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, or if you're not sure where that is, uh, there should be a hardback black Bible in front of you, in the seats in front of you, and it's on page 1006. L- let me set up uh, for a moment as you're turning there w- where we're going. it is, I checked my records, um, which are occasionally wrong. Becca's my check on that, but it's about two years since i have I've spoken to you, and I've I preached, uh, and that is not because I don't want to help or serve or certainly help Stacy. He needs the break, and we've got a bench full of men that are able to fill in. Uh, Becca and I have been navigating a difficult, uh, I'd say, year and a half or so, uh, 12 to 16 months. And, and some of you know and, and are close to us and on and our church bodies certainly know why, uh, but there are other things, too, that have been going on during that same time, and it's just been a very challenging year. And my intent here is to be a bit transparent with you all uh, about a little bit about my personal walk through that, why it was a challenge, and, and, um, and what the scriptures were as a comfort to me, uh, what I learned through some of that time. And, and let me qualify, it was not a difficult chapter in our marriage. So for those of you who don't know us and don't know, Becca and I's marriage is stronger uh, than ever. It was just some things that were happening in our lives. Um, I also want to qualify, too, that it was our church family that loved and surrounded us through this time that was probably what got us through. Like we were held up by the church, and we are so thankful. I'm also happy to say that we have, I think, come out of the other side and are now um, in a different place. God uses rough chapters in our life to refine and sharpen our faith. And so I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and I'm also glad to be here uh, with you this morning to be able to share some of what uh, what happened in my heart and some of the things that I've learned. I'd say beginning in late 2012, uh, we started our descent into what would be this hard chapter. Um, and here's, I've come up with four bullets, four things that kind of in my heart, Um, happened. People that provided stability in our life uh, were taken away. Things that made me successful in my career, things that I relied on and and I thought were, if I do it this way, then it'll have this outcome. And it had been refined over a lot of time, so I thought it was a given. Uh, Those things stopped working for me. Uh, Fears and insecurities that, that never existed were now haunting my heart and my mind. And it was like, I'm a crier, but I didn't, when I practiced, it never came. No, the choke-up never came. This is a little odd for me. Uh, it was like laughter, joy, and contentment were moving out, and fear, tears and frustration and confusion were moving in. But but through all this, I didn't, I, this is going to sound a little strange. I, I never was angry at God. I, I know God is sovereign, and I and I. And I've been a believer my whole life. As a matter of fact, my walk with the Lord has been great. As My, my life has been, he has been faithful to me and I've had great success. And the scriptures say like this, the boundaries of my life had fallen in pleasant places. And so I, so I was just in this place of confusion. And it was kind of an inward heart and mind confusion of what's going on, like, my foundation is shaking and, I, and I'm in a bit of an awkward place. It was it was like a my circ- when my circumstances are good, was my faith being challenged? Was it being exercised to the extent it could? And so I was heading into this chapter where these questions were coming up. And that was a bit terrifying for me because it was a new chapter that I had not seen before and Becca, too, as we walked through it together. A lot of it, too, was tied to things that I... I thought I had given to God, but in the end, it was things that I was controlling. And so fear of man is one of those things. I thought I could work with men in such a way that they, and women, and everybody, that I knew relationships. And all of a sudden, that stuff wasn't working anymore. And it was just a a real eye-opener for me, And, and the questions of, who is your identity? Like, is it in what people think of you, or is it in Christ? And man, that was, I never had to answer that before because it was all just working and I had to answer that. So, today, let's, uh, what my hope is for this time is to walk through this text. It's a pretty long text. And so, um, my intent is not to go verse by verse and word by word, which I love. I, I love when our guys take us through that because it really it really teaches my heart and my mind but but to fly over at a 50,000 foot level these texts and kind of point to to about five I've got five observations that I'm going to pull from these texts and share with you um some of my heart here and and what I what I believe the text is saying to me and to you before we uh get too far uh into the text though I want to paint for you because we're we're coming right into the middle of chapter 10, and so that would be rather like starting um, in the last third of a movie. That would just leave you a little lost if I was just to start and not give you some context. So let me paint some picture here. Hebrews, um, we don't know the author of Hebrews. It is is unknown. There is some suspect of who wrote it. We know that um, the person who did wrote it was very familiar with customs, the Jewish customs, um, and faith. As a matter of fact, of all the New Testament writings, there is more Old Testament text reference here than in any other Bible. So this person was very familiar with um, Jewish culture, traditions, and writings. The date was likely between 60 and 70 AD. So 60 to 70 years after Christ walked the earth, this book, uh, this letter was written. Well, who was it written to? It was written to a house church. Uh, of Jewish formerly Jewish believers that are now christians uh, and then they had suffered a fair amount of persecution, not martyrdom um it's It was clear that there was they hadn't suffered to the point of bloodshed, um, but they were persecuted for their beliefs and so the, the whole idea of this letter they were persecuted, and now some of some of this church were starting to defect, starting to say i'm i'm 'm not i don't buy it anymore i'm moving out and so this pastor this person that was writing this letter to this church was saying was reminding them hold on this is the jesus this is the messiah all your lives are orchestrated around the jewish culture was waiting for this messiah let me let me remind you who he is and kind of like a coach would say to his team who's struggling like no it's not time to give up don't give up hold on he's coming back and it, this is real uh so Let's pick up then, I'm going, to read, um, I'm going to read the whole text, and then we're going to kind of chunk it out and go back through uh, for the observations. Pick up in chapter 10, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received the commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Let's pray real quick. God, you are mighty and you are a king. And all that we look around and see, all that has been created is yours and comes from you. God, all through history, we know that your people, the people that you've created, were born with selfish hearts. And we want control, and we want to live as we want to live. And selfishness and idols are our God and not you. Yet I am so thankful, we are all thankful, that you made a way, that you sent Jesus that he could be our savior, that he could restore a right relationship with you. And Lord, I I hang on that promise today. And I pray that you would do work even in these moments, Lord, to, to teach our hearts, Lord, things that we know already, that you would remind us of your grace and your mercy. You would remind us that the chief end in this life is not our pleasure. The chief end in this life is your glory. And that is not an easy concept to, to hang on to and to work through. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for giving us fellow believers that we can walk with through trials. Thank you for this time, Lord, in your name, amen. All right, so I'm going to start in chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to cycle back to the beginning of chapter, or in ten nineteen. And like I said, there's going to be five observations that we're going to pull out. So as I said, and I was working through my own heart, it kind of forced me back to, well, what is faith? Because this word I had heard my entire life, believing. You have to believe in the Son of God that he came to save you. And I, I was forced back to this place to say, okay, well, what does that look like? Simple idea, even simple words that we understand, but let's talk through that. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made of things that are visible. Observation one, people in the Bible were commended for obeying God without knowing all the answers. And then the author gives this example of the universe being created. None of us saw it with our own eyes, yet we believe the word that says God created the heavens and the earth. By word, he spoke all that into creation. So we're forced to think, well, he either did that, and we believe it, or we believe something else, like science or whatever else would tell us that another story. So that, that's what he's saying. Do we believe that what God is saying is true? And more than that, do we act on that faith? We were talking this morning, a bunch of us, we were talking um, about parenting and how we ask our children to just obey. And everyone wants to know why, and it's like, no, no particularly for the younger kids. Oh, you obey because I told you to. And we as a as humanity, as adults, even, we want answers. Uh, when was the last time you did something for the Lord that you didn't understand the reason why? Like, go do this. And, and I think even the example of uh, talk to your coworkers about Jesus. And boy, that scares the life out of me. That is a difficult thing. And, I, and I don't know where this person is. I, I want to be assured of the outcome. If you were to tell me that this person would listen to what I'm saying and, and love Jesus and start coming to church with me, and then I would do it. But I don't know the outcome, and I'm kind of nervous, so I'm not going to do it. So, like, do we have faith? Do we understand Christ's mission, his, his salvation, what he came to do enough that we're just saying we believe, we do. We obey. And so he, here's... um. And all throughout his, all throughout history, and through the Bible, uh, as a matter of fact, chapter eleven goes into great detail about um, these biblical characters that have done what they they've done what they're instructed to do, what God asked them to do, without knowing, without being able to see what was promised. Here's um, here's one of these uh, examples. Uh, you remember Noah? So here's my paraphrase of what happened here. Hey Noah, I need your help. I'm going to turn on the rain for a long time and you need to build this huge boat and I'm going to put all the animals in it. And then you're going to float around for a while. And I'm going to really wipe out all of humanity, but not your family. You guys are going to be okay. And I, I can't imagine like Noah's going, well, hold on. Let's step back and think through this. Maybe brainstorm a little bit. Like, I, I'm not sure God would tolerate that kind of like, no, here's what's going to happen. You're going to build this boat. I'm going to put the, the people on it. Uh, is that the best way to do it? Like maybe there's another way, you know. And, and I don't think that conversation actually happened. But what did Noah do? He built a boat. And I can't imagine the people around him weren't be, weren't like, "What's lunatic doing over here?" You want to do? You want to know what persecution looks like? You start doing stuff for the Lord. That doesn't make any sense. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Here's another one. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 4:18. I hope in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. And then parentheses, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. God tells a hundred-year-old guy, I'm going to make nations out of you. And he's like, hey, I'm a hundred. And my wife This is dangerous ground, man. She's 90. I'm thinking in heaven, when Moses gets to heaven, Sarah's like, did you have to put that in there? Like, you don't think it was enough that you put Abraham was a hundred? You don't think they could get that I was 90? You You don't think they could? Like, I'm sure there was some kind of awkward tension there between Abraham and Sarah. But, but they stepped through it, and God built his kingdom and his, his people through Abraham and Sarah. People in the Bible were commended for obeying God without knowing all the answers. Verse 19, we're going to go to t- chapter 10 now. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers For Christ's sacrifice, by Christ's sacrifice, we are no longer enemies of God, but loved children. So live like one. Your sins are paid for. There's no more shame. So walk in your faith with confidence and assurance. This hit me hard. I love the words, hold fast. The coach talking to his team, hold fast, hold on tight. to your your hope without wavering for he who promises faithful and God doesn't break his promises. So unlike a team that might not know the the, the end, we know the end. Our hope is secure. God doesn't break promises. Like the whole idea is crazy because hope is, is an expectation of something you don't know what he's saying. Here's we know for he who promised is faithful And stepping back through just the words of that section, confidence to enter the holy place. We have a great priest. Let us draw near. The invitation is to come near. The price has been paid. There's no more shame. Yes, there's sin, but it's covered. Christ did that work on the cross. Why are you waiting outside the gate? Come. Without wavering, with confidence, because he's faithful and it's done. I, I thought of this, um, it's like a, a child maybe a, a, who's adopted from the slums and put into a king, a king's house. And how silly it would be for this, this orphan to just continue eating from the trash. Like, you'd be like, that's crazy. You're now an heir. You're a son of the king. And so in my own heart, again, as I was struggling, I was like, where's my faith? Like, this stuff is done. Why am I acting as if it's not? Wavering and kind of, I'm not sure, and hedging. And Is he real? He's real. So live like a son of the king. Fear of man, what can man do to you? What power do they have over you? You're a son of a king. Act like it. Live like it. There's freedom there. Verse 24, And let us consider how to stir one another up. Stir stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What a great picture of the church and what we are to be to one another. Uh, Observation three, the Christian life is meant to be lived in community. Stacy uses this on occasion in his um, sermons and I agree with it. And I have learned this through Cornerstone. So I, I always was part of uh, a church, and and my parents are very hospitable, so people love coming to their house, so I understood community. But it wasn't until I started coming to Cornerstone in 2004 and beyond that I learned we are supposed to be so knit together like a family that we're transparent, that my struggles are something that Ryan knows about, and that I'm not afraid or, or holding back or... like. It is the family that holds you up through these trials. And I've learned too that selfishness and sin loves isolation. So as a believer, if you're in this space where you just don't know how to interact, I think that's part of it too. Like you just don't know how, maybe you're new to this and and take a chance because there is sweet comfort in community. And again, you as a church held us up through a very difficult time. Um, but, I, but I know either, either you don't know how to engage or something worse is that you're just drowning in your own sinfulness. Maybe it's uh, some kind of repetitive secret sin. Again, what's to be afraid of? We know that we're sinners. That's what we have in common, if nothing else, that we've asked Jesus into our hearts because we're sinners. So it's no surprise to me when you come up to me and say, I'm struggling with anger. I yelled at my wife again. And I'm like, yeah, me too. We got to pray. We got to do something. But in community, we've got the power of numbers. And by ourselves, it's just a drowning, exhausting fight. Going into this next section, I just want to caveat. I, I think it's a tu- it's a tough section of text, and, and from a contextual standpoint, this is not written to be believers. This is, re- I believe, as I've studied it out, this is ris- written to non-believers who are hostile towards God, and, and it wouldn't cover people that are just ignorant. Although I think God's wrath is is we should be afraid of it regardless, but th- this is a tough section of text, I don't imagine this is being read throughout the American church because we here in America like a softer, kind of nicer, God who who loves and, and is gracious and, and we are, even in the Christian circles, ill-equipped to understand an accurate picture of God and what he is capable of. And so I'm going to read it and then I'm going to read one other text in Deuteronomy and what I Well, let let me read it, and then we'll we'll kind of cover off. Um, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Deuteronomy chapter 32 See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand for I lift up my hand to heaven and I swear as I live forever. If I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long haired heads of the enemy. Those are haunting and terrifying words from a God who is jealous for his glory. And I read it because, for two reasons primarily, salvation is not as sweet if we don't know what we're saved from. And I read it also as a warning, because if, we are, if, if you're here today and you just don't know where you stand with the whole Jesus thing, It is something that needs to be reconciled in your heart as soon as possible. And I was reminded twice in the last 10 days of how fragile this life is. We have very little control, and we think we do, which is what the scary thing is. Um, Some of you were at the funeral of Mark Rodriguez this week. 17-year-old boy shot uh, on his way home from graduation a week ago Friday. Uh, Young man, wonderful young man, um, if you're at the funeral, you kind of get a better understanding of what Paul said, uh, glorify me in my death. This, Christ was glorified through this kid's death. Um, the other, the other um, reminder of how fragile life is came this past Friday night, less than 48 hours ago. My dear friend, a friend I grew up with, uh, one of my closest friends, sent me this email which was about two hours after he had received it. He's in uh, in Hong Kong, and it said, I tr- this is from his brother. So he's Paul is sending me this message from his brother, uh, David. So David says to Paul, I tried calling you, but no answer. I'm sorry for this news. Dad fell off the scaffolding and broke his neck, and is paralyzed from the neck down. Please call Mom's cell now. Dad is dying, and doctor said he has less than 24 hours to live, probably less than eight. He can barely talk but he wants to talk to you before he dies. I'm flying home right now. So Paul wasn't able, he was able to talk to his father, but not get there in time. And praise the Lord, he, Paul and Dan and Dave had this awesome dad for all these years. Uh, Arn knows his maker and he understands where he's going. Um, and so we're where Paul is thankful that he had, all these years with a dad who loved him and cared for him and taught him the scriptures but that's not all of us i mean we walk this earth and we see all these reminders of how fragile life is and i fear at least i feel this way it never happened to me you know so so if you're here today and you don't understand what jesus did for you on the cross and why it's so important please get with the person who came, who brought you uh, we have a ton of resources out on the table we have bibles to give away we have other things um, keep coming back. We, this church is, is, is great at, and, and as we're called to, share who Christ is from the pulpit every week and from the scriptures. If you are a believer, if you do understand the sacrifice Christ made for you on the cross, let this be a, a bit of a wake-up call. <clears throat> it was for me uh, that the sense of urgency to share with our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, a, a difficult thing, but a necessary thing. And it is what we are called to do. And it is scary and it is difficult. But again, obedience, we just need to do it. And I'll be completely transparent. I didn't always know how. I was a Christian my whole life. And so sitting down and looking through the text and saying, okay, how would I, how would I go about having that conversation? What are the scripture texts that I would need? If that's what it takes, then let me know. I can give it to you. But let's be a people of action if we had the cure for cancer, would we sit down and just not tell anybody? We'd be unloving. We need to be people of action and who take this message and, and hand it out. Verse 32 through 36. Oh, wait, I, didn't, I don't think I read for you the observation four, which was fear God. Fear God. Verse 32, 36, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated, where you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for you a little while and the coming one will will come and will not delay, but the righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and, pers- and preserve their souls. Observation five, Jesus is worth enduring earthly struggles and suffering. He is worth that to us. And so I was thinking back and trying to put myself in the shoes of of this church, getting this letter. And I'm thinking, well, what struggles, what persecution? And and so you have to remember their whole lives, their whole custom, the whole Jewish faith was about the coming Messiah. And that that that's what they were waiting for. And so I imagine some missionaries, church planners, come into town and they're like, You gotta hear this. This guy came, he lived this perfect life, he did miracles, turned water to wine, healed people. It was, it was incredible to watch. And then he was crucified. Confusion flag number one. Why is the Messiah getting crucified? And then he died. But then three days he came back, and a bunch of people saw him. And then he disappeared again. And some of this population believed. They were like, that's nuts, but wow. That's the Messiah. That's my Messiah who I've been waiting for. But the majority And we know this now because we're going through Mark. What did the Jews? How was how do they react to Christ? Not so friendly. So the majority of uh, of the Jews, these people's family and friends were like, I am buying it, and you're crazy for believing it. That's where the persecution comes. Because they're believing in Jesus, and everyone around them's yelling at them, cursing them, throwing them in prison. So they're enduring this. And, And here's this pastor saying, Hold fast. Do you remember the days when you were struggling, when you were first enlightened and you were all together and working and, and you were psyched, it's kind of like coming back from uh, youth camp and you're so fired up and you've had a week of no technology and you're like reading your Bible every day and you're like, and then what happens? Like two, three weeks goes by and you kind of kind of fall back into complacency a little bit and um, that might not be the best analogy, but I, but I think some time has gone by now And this church is just kind of, they're losing their anchor. They're losing their hold. I love the joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. And and I could just, I'm picturing this family sitting around eating dinner, maybe a bunch of guys hanging out, and people are just coming in their house and taking their stuff off, loading it into a truck. just like laughing at them. Look at these guys stealing all our stuff. This is awesome. So funny. Like, what would, what would possess someone to do that? Well, it says that their affection for Christ was so much more than anything horizontal in this life that they, th- their reaction was laughter and joy. They're like, these guys don't get it. You guys got to get it. Let us tell you about it. No, we're going to take your TV. Okay, but can you come back? Because we still have something to tell you. That there was just this incredible faith this people had that they were convinced they were so convinced that their christ was here their messiah was here that they didn't that the horizontal stuff that we give attention to and affection to every day didn't matter and so again this this pastor's like don't you remember like hold fast this is he is coming like he said don't give up now so there's a, there's a heavy reminder here to remember our affections for the Lord. And again, that's where community is so helpful because our eyes, I don't know about you, but I'm easily distracted. And my affections even go from here to there. And and thank God I have have a community group. I have have folks that know me and love me enough to say, hey, what about that? Like, oh, yeah, maybe that's a bad idea. Yeah, that's probably a bad idea. And that's what we can be to each other. I love the hymnist. Come now fount of every blessing. Lord, my heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. This is not a struggle that weak Christians have. It is a struggle every Christian has. Because in the end, you ask, Is my is Christ my chief affection? I love my kids and my wife and it's things on earth. Is Christ my chief affection? And if it's not, it can be. We need to ask for that. It's a faith issue. And we can have victory on it, over it. In closing, a couple thoughts here. If you struggle with believing, ask the Lord. It says a centurion said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Our faith comes from and is a gift from God. We can ask for those things, and we should. Another point is life can be really hard. And there have been, there will be times when you become discouraged. Open up to those around you because you can, and they want you to, and it's necessary. Even here, the text is telling us to don't bottle up. Our tendencies can be to isolate and wallow. It it is a very self-absorbed position for a while. Grief is grief, and and that is healthy and good. But after a time, it is a a self-centeredness, and I, I found it in my own heart. It was easy to just be like, well, I'm still, okay. But there's a time for grief, and then there's a time to move on and to live with confidence in our hope. If you are struggling, talk to somebody. I think for men it's particularly hard i think we've got a pride in us that's just we don't want to let down our guard and i've been so encouraged by this group of guys that are unifying around being terrible dads doesn't that sound horrible like it took one guy to say i could use a little help here and like guys started spring up yeah i could use some help i need some help there too i need some help and so now nine of us maybe more reading a parenting book together because we want to understand what our role needs to be uh, in front of a holy God. And this is our responsibility. And so, again, it just took the bravery of one guy. And now I'm so thankful that he did speak up. Lastly, if if you're here today and, and you do not know Jesus, I'd say take one step, just one step this week, maybe even today, He is the hope of forever. This life is so short, and some of us will even get 80 years of it. That is still very short compared to eternity. And our mindset is so small because it's the American dream. We just get good grades. That's the focus. Because why? You want to get into a good school, and then make a lot of money, and then save for retirement. And then what? Is it really 80 years and that's it? No, it's eternity. eternity there's this much after that and more. Now we have an opportunity to live in that faith and for what's to come. If you don't know them, I just encourage you, this is something that's worth your time. We want to help you understand it. Just ask questions, take one step. So hopefully there was one thing or, or two that you pulled out of that. I, we all struggle through different chapters. Um, we certainly did, and we're so thankful for this church, and thankful thankful if nothing else that God is real because He has taught me through this. I know that. Um, Let's pray, and then uh, we'll sing again. Oh God, we're so, so thankful for Your Word that instructs us. There's so many of these things, Lord, that just not intuitive to us. The fact that You would ask us to obey and not understand—that is a difficult thing, but. But you do ask it of it, of us, and you, you commend those and reward those who do it. Give us your power and your strength to love you at, and be our chief affection of all things, not be so distracted. Lord, I pray for those here um, that might not know you. They are here today for a reason, and I believe that you drew them here. And so complete your work, I pray. We love you and thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.